Yeah. Um, happy Father's Day to you dads. Um, that video, just we feel like there was a lot of truth in that. Um, it is a big deal. We, we believe it really is a big deal that you're just here um, because that is um, just as being an example. And, I, and you may think, gosh, it's crazy at my house when we try to get ready for church. It is, but you, but you end up here. Um, so if it's not perfect all along the road uh, to church this morning, don't, don't fret, don't lose hope. Uh, because oftentimes I know it's, it's definitely not perfect as I live my life out in front of my kids. Um, but just that heart's desire to show them Jesus and just to teach Jesus. And, but, but out of a heart that's falling more in love with him constantly um, really is the measure of what our success is as dads. Uh, we're going to be, uh, this week begins a, a little bit of a mini journey for us. Um, this, this message isn't technically in the series that we're getting ready uh, to jump into uh, but it is our first step out of Acts for a few weeks. Uh, so this morning, if you have your Bibles or if you move to your Bibles on a tablet or a device, we're going to be in Second Timothy. Uh, before I start the message, I want to explain something to you. Um, and with this, I realize I may have made a good decision or a bad decision. And you may go, okay, that, that's, that sounds like every decision. But honestly, there's a lot of days and a lot of times during those days that I stop and I go, you know what, what I just did is either going to be a good thing or a bad thing, and it, there's not going to be a lot of gray area. Okay, so every time, I have, does anybody else have gift-buying anxiety? Like, it just, it just tears you apart besides me? Okay, me and Claudia, good. Um, so at least we understand each other. We'll just never buy each other anything, and that'll be our gift to each other. Okay, so when, when birthdays and holidays and stuff come around, like, I, my heart is, I really want to give a great gift, but... I just, I all, man, I second guess myself. I'm trying to figure out what it is. And it just, sometimes buying gifts can be super, super stressful. Well, when Mother's Day and Father's Day come around at churches, I just want to tell you, as far, as far as being a dad, I have received so many things over the years as part of a church service for Father's Day uh, that, quite frankly, I, I didn't want. Uh, I've gotten keychains that say, you know, Jesus is the answer. It's great, but I don't, I don't use keychains. Um, I've gotten screwdrivers that after one turn, they just strip out and they fall apart. So you have a drawer full of broken screwdrivers, but the church gave it to you, so you can't throw it away, right? So it's, it's like, it's all these things. And I thought, you know what, this year, I mean, let's really come out with something good. I was happy with the gift for Mother's Day. It was like the spiritual encouragement, the coffee, the chocolate. It's like covered all of our bases because we can't fix husbands. I mean, we, I mean we're trying to, but it's just like we can't give you that and a perfect husband. Um, so we at least gave you the bag. Um, but, but today, I was like, man, what can we give guys that's just good and awesome. Well, first of all, ladies, congratulations, because the entire Christian book market is aimed at you. Like, when it comes to holidays and specials and deals and everything, like, there are awesome things that are marketed towards you. When it comes to dads, even the Christian companies, it's two things, ties and coffee cups. That's all we get. That's, that's where it's aimed at, right? So, I didn't want to, wait, there's not, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't been here long, there's not many people that wear ties. Um, occasionally, we'll have one. And we, we love that guy, wherever he is. Um, but but we, don't, we don't do a lot of ties here, so we don't want to do ties. Um, coffee cups, they just, you know, um, everybody likes coffee cups, but, you know, you got to have the perfect saying, so we didn't go coffee cups. Even though I did see one at Target that had a really cool mustache on it. Um, so this is what I did. I went to, like, 40 grocery stores. So I tell you that to say this. If you don't like this gift, not the day to complain about it. Um, well, actually, you can. Um, if you can email chris at rfcc.org. Um, if you're watching this, you don't know me. My name's Derek. That, that email won't ever get to me, and that, that'll be great. Um, I went to a lot of grocery stores, a lot of places, and I bought a lot of glass bottle soft drinks. And I got RC Cola, Cheerwine, Mountain Dew, 
uh, knee high. Well, there's one knee high orange. It's on that table. That's the only one. If, you, if that's you, this, that you know where to go after the service. Um, and then I got some other stuff. I got moon pies. I got peanuts to pour in Coca-Cola. If you've never done that, um, that's an actual thing. If you haven't been here long enough to do that, we would invite you to try that. Um, there's a couple of people in the church that are fans of boiled peanuts. Uh, Chris is. Uh, Ethan, I found out two days ago, our youth pastor is. We fired him after that decision. Um, so, I mean, there, and then there's, then there's just an ocean of Little Debbie. Oatmeal cookies, um, Swiss cake rolls, um, the Nutty Buddy things. I mean, like, there is just stuff out there, guys. And if you're sitting here going, well, I, that's insulting. Here's what I can tell you. Here's my response to that. I'm getting homemade ice cream this afternoon, which means like, that does nothing for you. But you can be mad at me this morning, and that just reassures you, my day actually is going to get better. Right? Like, so, like, if that's, but but my, my heart this morning was, I hope you, I hope you look at that table, and, and here's what we need you to do, guys. If you'll grab one glass bottle that's like the, the full size. If you grab one of the Cokes, they're a little smaller, grab two, um, and then grab at least a couple of snacks to take with you. Now, well, I say at least a couple. Let's try to stay at a couple. We have one more service that's coming up and everything like that. So um, hopefully just some good stuff. Um, I had some favorable responses this morning, um, but I'm going to be honest with you. When I, was at a, when I was at all those grocery stores and I was buying um, a grocery cart full of, of, of a lot of glass bottles and a lot of things, I had a lot of people that really questioned what I was doing, um, which honestly didn't seem that odd because I find that most people question what I do. So um, happy Father's Day. We're going to be in 2 Timothy today, chapter 2. Um, I want to let you know up front, this message, I pray, if you are a dad, or you will be at some point a dad, I really pray that this message is a huge, huge encouragement to you. And not just an encouragement, but a, but a, a voice of guidance through the Holy Spirit. If you're not a dad, um, if you're a mom, if you um, are, are just in a different season of life, um, I, I really believe that God's Word is still going to speak to you out of this passage, but now as, as this message was, was written down and delivered, just to be clear, this is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul is writing to Timothy, a really, really young pastor that came out of one area where Paul began a ministry and then ended up being the lead pastor and, and really stayed for a long season of ministry in Ephesus, which was ultimately, when we read the New Testament, it was one of the biggest churches that were there. He dealt with Christians at all ages, at all seasons of life. So many times, Paul was writing to a very stressed out, intimidated young leader. So he was giving him advice, not just for himself, but he was also trying to give him advice to then go directly pour into the lives of other people. If you, if you ever read First and Second Timothy, you'll find in those passages the, the qualifications, a lot of people say, the goal-setting standards of leadership within the church. He's telling him that so that, that Timothy won't just kind of know he has a good idea or kind of have an image of who he's supposed to look for, but he'll have the boldness and confidence to make sure the right people are in the right places to, to lead and be there to shepherd other people um, at, at the stage of life that they're in. Specifically, we see a really wide application out of one of the verses that we're going to read in just a minute. But just to kind of go ahead and lay this out to you, there's three examples Paul's going to use as a, a way to really get across to Timothy what the spiritual goals are for life, and, and especially as you have an opportunity to influence others. 
And, and that is the role of the dad. That is the role of mom. That is the role of many of us that have jobs and have different people that work under us in certain roles and that kind of thing. Um, we, we will find ourselves in this place often in life. Um, the, the three roles are, number one, soldier, number two, athlete, and number three, a farmer. Um, and there's some specific things about each of these that, that really Paul's driving this message at. So we're going to work through this passage. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we'll, we'll make multiple stops. And, and I, I really pray that the truth of God's Word really is, is, is good and is real to you this morning, speaks deeply into your life. Um, verse 1, um, and, and just I'm going to stop after this. I, I, specifically to dads, and, and, and really listen to this with, with all ears, even if you're outside of the, the, the dad realm. There is this thing in life where we make a decision about um, what are we going to base our strength at. I think most people would like to consider themselves a strong person. Um, maybe not everybody, but, but most of us, we want to feel like we've got some strength to us, um, that we can handle certain things in life, um, that we can deal with situations, that we can, we can be dealt with over certain situations. We don't like to really, in our minds, be thought of as a weak person. We'd like to be thought of as a strong person. Um, but, but it's always critical to think through, okay, being thought of as a strong person is a great idea, but where does the strength come from? What is the strength based off of? That's what really makes all the difference to how it plays out in life. Verse number one, um, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, um, uh, as, as a really a principle of, of a journey to find strength, where do we go to find the kind of strength that we actually need? To a gym? No. To a, a specific university to get career training? No. For, for continuing education classes in our career field? No. For just good advice from another friend at lunch? No. I mean, we, we can find good things in those places, but where's the ultimate place that we've got to find our core strength of life? It's the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why is, why is it so specifically the grace that is in Christ? Why not, why not hey, go find, um, go find the victory that is in Christ Jesus. It's, it's specifically grace. Because grace is, is both what we can receive and what we can show. We all want grace. Grace is the goodness that we don't deserve. We all want that. But very quickly I find that I will tend to forget that it's also the very thing that I need to give and I need to show. And it's supposed to really be, um, there's a pastor that I listen to sometimes and, and he talks about music this way. He says, you know, music can have good words, but if it has a bad sound, no one likes it. He says it can have almost ridiculous words, but a good sound, and almost everybody will listen to it. Grace is, is, the, is the sound of so much of what we need to say. It's, it's not just the specific words. In fact, here, and, and if you read this chapter, multiple times, multiple times, Paul will present to Timothy, don't fall into the trap of arguing just over the concept of words. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But that's where the ultimate strength of our life has to come from. Because grace, grace isn't just, grace isn't a toughness that we need to not shed a tear. Grace isn't the toughness that we need to just push through and always work hard. Grace is, is, is understanding. Grace is forgiveness. Grace is patience. It's peace. It's, it's so much of what we really need. Verse 2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Now, here's, here's where Paul, you're going to really see Paul kick the, the, the walls wide open here to let you know how big of an audience this is supposed to go to. 
Um, he says that what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Um, th- this, this tells us that this message of this chapter does not have an end to it. In, in other words, it, this isn't just for six people and then it's supposed to stop. This is supposed to be replicated. You know what that also shows us? And, and, and I want to tell men this specifically this morning because I think um, th- there's a measure of this that we, we only stay at the surface. And I said it just briefly earlier already in the service. Nowhere in Scripture are you ever going to go in and find a verse that says, hey, your relationship with Jesus is just personal. In fact, it's, it's just supposed to stay inside of you kind of bottled up. The entire Word of God, especially as we're shown how to be the church together in the New Testament, we're, we're, we're instructed very clearly that our Christian walk is supposed to be connected to other people. And not just connected to other people. We're told that it will never, will never experience the fullness of it without community. Which means, guys, on, on some point in life, if we don't step deeper than the surface, we'll never experience the fullness of what God needs to do in our life. How, and, and this goes for all of us, whether you're a dad, whether you're a mom, whether you're, you're, you're neither of those. For, for, the, for the sin issues in our life, if we always bottle that in and never open up to anybody about that, are, 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 can, we, can we imagine together just the amount of strain and stress and grief that that's going to just build into our life? When what we really need is not is, is yes to take that to the Lord, but also to share that and, and talk through that with other people. Because so many times confession is really the first step to accountability, and accountability is, is the most sure step to overcoming. And and whether your personality is driven towards that or not, it's it's ultimately a call of God on our life. I believe it's it's a call on our life because there will be those of us who, who resist that. We won't find it very easy, very comfortable, very natural, so we'll, we'll almost, in a sense, fight that. Here's, here's where we're going to get into the first example um, that Paul unfolds to Timothy. He lays out this idea of the, so, the soldier. Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Now, almost every time Paul uses the illustration of a soldier in his writings, almost every time it deals with spiritual battle. In other words, it's it's, it's spiritual warfare. Almost every time he writes. But here, it's not directly dealing with spiritual warfare. It's it's dealing with lordship. Say, well, what's what's really lordship so important in this situation? it's, it's, It's used first in this, which in the order of their writing style, lets you know that it is the most significant. Lordship is the foundation of salvation from our perspective. Because it's, it's grace given through Jesus Christ. His perfect sacrifice on the cross that was representative of, of the penalty of your sin and mine being paid. The gospel good news is he, he died for sin. He satisfied the payment that God said was due. But because he's God, he came back to life showing us that we weren't meant to just be convicted of our sin and just die. That we're supposed to walk in newness in Christ. So we hear that in the gospel, and, and that's, that's unbelievable news. So, so, so what is our heart supposed to be aimed at towards Jesus? It's supposed to be aimed at, toward, it's supposed to be aimed at Jesus in, in, from a perspective of lordship. In other words, I have to set aside 
me feeling like I know the best plan for my life to seek him to find out, Lord, what is your plan for my life? Because if I have my conversations based on my intentions and, and, and my desires, I've lived that out. That doesn't have the best inroad to it. Um, if, if we just pursue community the way we want to do it, the, if, we, if we go after um, our, our goals in life the way that we desire, we will oftentimes, as people, we will very often serve who? Ourselves. We'll serve ourselves. Or we'll desire for ourselves even when we're serving others. Jesus Christ is, all, uh, is about changing our heart, which means we're going to have to submit in some way because I, I've definitely figured out, man, there's a lot of truth in that, that all have sinned, me especially, and that I was born with this sin nature that just really wants to take my life down my road, not God's. This is big time about lordship. But, but what does he talk about? He talks about um, getting entangled with civilian affairs. I, I want you to listen to this phrase. Um, th- there's a few key phrases I want to give you um, that won't be on the screen, but I want to read them out to you um, just to kind of give us our perspective together. Um, we're called here in this passage to not get wrapped up in the wrong things. Don't get wrapped up in the wrong things. If a soldier is enlisted, his, his commanding officer is who he's supposed to take orders from. His, his allegiance and his dedication is supposed to be centered there. Because if he's either by himself or with others in battle, it's about listening to that commanding officer to be able to execute the, the, the strategy and, and the offensive and the defensive that needs to happen. If he is entangled and, and if he starts dealing with things that are outside that military service, then his allegiance and his focus and his priorities are now going to start to divide, and ultimately, something's going to win. I love the wording here that Paul uses. He paints the picture this way. If the soldier operates correctly, there's order in his life. If he begins to really put his heart and mind on other affairs and other other things in life that are, that are going to be drama-filled and really want to grab our attention, if he really puts his mind there, he's going to be what this word uh, communicates to us, entangled. In other words, you're going to be wrapped up. You, you're not going to be able to move and respond as quickly as you would be able to if your heart, your dedication was really set right on the Lord. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. Have, have you ever felt entangled? Have you ever been so deep in a situation that you just felt like it was it just had you just completely locked down and and you couldn't almost you found yourself like you, you're not getting your work done at your job as effective as you used to housework other things around with family it's just it's it's not getting done because you're so entangled by something that's not something that's not really what the lord wants us to dive so deeply in to have our hands so involved in um i i, I have found that even when the, it looks like it's something that I want to call spiritual, if it's a battle that I'm choosing to fight that's really not what the Lord's calling me to, no matter what I want to call it, it just sucks the energy out of me. But even when things are serious, if it's something that the Lord has called me to handle, it's amazing how free my life is to get everything done that I need to get done. Here's the second example. The athlete. 
Verse 5 says, also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, um, I don't know how old you are, um, but, but I can gauge your age in a couple different ways. Number one, just even with the idea of um, this wonderful Father's Day gift that we have here, um, if you're not old enough to have experienced um, bringing a glass bottle back to a store to get change back, um, you're young. Throwing that out, okay? Like if you haven't experienced that, like if you didn't go in a grocery store and, and, and actually have a, a, a box that you could actually like choose the ones you want, and then you went home and you drank them and you brought them back. Like it, that, that just means that there, there's, a, there's a dividing line um, there. Um, I, I'm on the have experience side. I, I enjoyed that. Um, but, but, but maybe that's it. Um, here's, here's another way. Um, if you didn't live through 1988, then you did not experience one of the greatest tragedies that I watched as a young person. It was the Olympics, 1988. There was a guy that I was a big fan of because I'm a big fan of our country, America. His name was Carl Lewis. He was a sprinter. And he was favored. He was amazing, so fast. Until this really undersized, kind of shorter guy that looked like a tank in the finals of the Olympics beat him. His name was Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson was a Canadian. Nobody saw that one coming. We thought they were all about hockey. Who let these guys start running? Nobody knew. It's too warm to wear shorts and a tank top. It's too cold to wear shorts and a tank top there. They weren't even supposed to be in this race. What did we find out before he was even back to Canada off his airline flight? That he tested positive for substances that he took to, an, to enhance his physical performance. Now, he was given a medal. He was recognized as the winner of that race. But ultimately, he was not able to keep prize. He was disqualified. Here's the statement I want you to take with you this morning, if you would, and just really meditate in your heart. Dads especially, please hear this. Don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Now, the word cheat is, um, it, it's, it's become kind of a weird word. Um, most of us, we hear, you know, someone cheated. As an adult, we think relationships, kind of where our mind jumps to. A few years ago, I was teaching at a camp. I didn't have a group at, but I was there teaching, and it's been something that me and Wendy have done for a number of years now. And, and I was talking to a, a big group of high school students about, you know, what does it mean to really live like Jesus in front of others that are your age? So I used the example of cheating on homework, a test, or something like that. I said, you know, just to kind of imagine to yourself, if someone's lost, but they work their rear end off when it comes to their schoolwork. I mean, they are, like, they're dedicated to it. And they look over and they see people cheating. What does that do to, to their insides? Your stomach is in knots. You're so angry because you are working hard for that. But what if that person professes to be a Christian? What does that do to their opportunity to share the gospel? I had multiple students go, what do you mean cheating? I said, you know, like when... When you, if you're taking a test and, and you get answers off of somebody else or you, you didn't get your homework assignment done and, and you just you, you took someone else's answers and you put them on a piece of paper and you turned that in, they looked at me and said, that's not cheating. Hang on a second. We, we have, we, we've thrown out the dictionary. We're like, what, what, what happened? Why don't you think that's cheating? And, and honestly, and, and this, was, this was not them, you know, just being teenagers. I mean, this was an honest answer. 
they looked at me and they said, that's not cheating, that's sharing. Wow. I said, okay, back up a second. I said, now, I want you to listen to this. I said, did you do the work? Well, no. Did you turn it into a teacher with the understanding that she gave you a grade and, and her basis of understanding is, I'm giving you a grade because this is work that you were supposed to have done. Well, yeah. Okay, so you got a grade you didn't deserve because you didn't do the work. Somebody else did it. Yeah. That's cheating. And it was like light bulbs went all across the room. And I was like, oh my goodness. I feel like I've done something good, but I'm also here horribly frightened at the same time because these people are going to be working at places in the next few years. We, we think cheating, and, and I think a lot of times we just go, you know what, like I'm not a cheater. Not a, I'm not a cheater. Or at least we wouldn't want to admit to it. But when you consider this, this idea of an athlete, if there's, if there's any part of our life, because again, this, we, we started with lordship, now Paul's really writing to Timothy because he, he really wants him to understand a, a tangible illustration of what righteousness and holiness looks like. Holiness and righteousness is only competing by the rules. And this convicts me. I, and, and I'll be honest with you. I almost, because sometimes I like to bring kind of a physical illustration in for my message. I almost tried to find a gavel this week just at the beginning of this message that I could just hit on this table and just go ahead and pronounce myself guilty in front of you. Because this isn't me lecturing you on something. This, this is something that convicts us, I, I, I'm sure, all. But, but holiness and righteousness is just, it, it's 100%. Anything that pollutes that, anything that compromises that is, is cheating. We can be dedicated, we can do all the hard work as a man in our home, and we can say, as a dad, we can be there at ball games, we can coach our kids, we, we, can, we can do the things for our wives that we need to do, but if we're giving our hearts over to pornography, we're not faithful husbands, we're cheating. We're cutting corners. And ultimately, what is this really painting a picture to? We say, hey, look, I'm, you know, as a dad, I'm not trying to get a great prize here. I, like, I know I'm not the greatest dad. Faithfulness is going to be rewarded with crowns and eternity in heaven. There will be a day of accountability and judgment, and there will be crowns given for different things that are listed in Scripture, and I believe other things even beyond that. I can't prove that to you, but, but I feel like that indication, that door is open in Scripture to us. Now, we're going to, in humility, lay those at Jesus' feet because ultimately we were, we were hopefully doing it all for him. Anything that we get an award for, we ultimately our hearts, it's going to be the things our hearts were just really wanting to do for him. But man, to, 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 to think and picture this thing of eternity and this is going on and to look at gaps and seasons of my life and go, there's just nothing reward-worthy there. Something that I pray convicts me and convicts you for us to go, no, I'm not going to settle for that. Not going to settle for that. Cutting corners eliminates us from that. Here's the third one. The farmer. And, if, and, and, it, and it, it's, it's funny. It's, um, they're, they're talking about this way. Good soldier. Um, it's, it's talking about the athlete is just um, a, a common thing that anyone could be. Uh, this one goes really to the, the heart of what we know about anybody that's in this, this industry. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say 
for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I, I, just before I explain this, I, I want to say this. Um, if, you, if you consider Paul even just a solid Christian, um, this is what he does for Timothy. He gives him spiritual truth, and then he tells him, consider what I say, but ultimately get your understanding from the Lord. And I would ask you to come into any message, any lesson, any small group as part of our ministry here. Consider what is said, but get your understanding from the Lord. We should never teach something contradictory to what the Word of God says. And if ultimately if God's speaking to you, he'll, he'll bring understanding. So what do we know about this hardworking farmer? He says he ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. Here, here's a statement I would love for you to take home in your heart. We need to do the work we're called to do so we will be connected to the results. In other words, as, as life journeys on, I'm getting ready to watch my oldest son walk across a high school graduation stage next year. And that is, that like, like Wendy, and for some reason my wife has fallen in love with going, gosh, this is, like, this is really Connor's kind of last, like, summer, summer. And I'm like, would you stop saying that? Like, I'm trying to drive over here. I'm about to fall apart in Target, right? I mean, and, and I'm looking at that, and, and I know that that's coming next year. And I want to I sit there, and I want to watch. And I don't want to watch a ceremony that's all about the contributions of others. I want to see a crossing of a finish line and then a walk to the next starting line. And I want to know that I've done the work as a dad enough to feel connected to the results. Now, please don't take that wrong. That's not just about the celebration. Because I believe as a parent, you can do the hard work. You can walk through with your kids through a season of difficulty. You can see the struggle. And you can feel connected to that struggle because you know you've taken it faithfully to the Lord and you followed Him the best you can. And even when you see a struggle, you can look at that and feel connected to it because you know, you're going, look, I'm in this work with you. And sometimes just the peace of knowing that, that your kid's not struggling alone is a huge spiritual encouragement. There's a sensible order to things in this passage. Someone that's dedicated to the work and faithful ought to be connected to what they see God do. That's the way the Lord has built this. And if you see this, 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 this flow here, um, to be committed to lordship, to really have that firm in our lives, to really understand that faithfulness is 100% and we can't cut corners. And, it, and it's not just for one day or one week or one season. It's a hardworking farm. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's continually, all the time. Um, when, I, when I got married to Wendy, her, um, her family, has, her mom's side of the family has really largely um, been raised and grown up and owned homes and raised family in Siler City. And there's a lot of farmers over there. I didn't have a lot of farming in my family. So I didn't know I didn't I, I didn't know that farmers don't take vacations, right? And 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 I don't I don't get that. I've always been someone in different seasons of my life that I've had a break from something, and and hoped and tried to get some rest from it. 
but not those who farm. There's always something to do. There's always a crop. There's an animal, and there's seasons, and there's times, and there's, there's, there's responsibilities, and there's always, and it, it's just the picture of just constant faithfulness. And this is what God's woven in this passage. Now, there's a, there's a hinge that all this swings on, okay? All of this swings on. It's the same hinge that all of life swings on. And it's the first three verses, I mean, first three words in the next verse. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Dads, moms, people, all of us, kids, teenagers, anybody, we cannot, we're not gaining ground in life if we're taking our eyes off of Jesus, if we're taking our minds and our thoughts off of him. If we're going to live like Jesus, we have to be consumed with Jesus. And I know that many of us go through seasons where we think, Gosh, I don't know that I can really live that kind of Christian life. We, we all can. We all can. We can all really have our hearts aimed at a, at, at a place that, that God will not neglect us on rest, on joy, on all these, but, but our hearts will be faithfully aimed at Him. Now, Paul says, if you, if you skip down to verse 10, um, as he explains what, what's the result of him remembering Jesus Christ, he says, this is why I endure all things for the elect, so that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, with eternal glory. I mean, Paul says, listen, I remember Christ Jesus just so I won't get frustrated with people and give up. We all have something that we hit as a wall that tempts us to give up. We all do. And the, res- the answer to that so many times is our focus on Jesus Christ. He continues down and he writes more about um, this, this ultimate reward and, and really this concept of this audience of one that we're living for. And, and freeing ourselves from some of the expectations of others and some of the things that we think have to look all put together and perfect in our life. And, and, and if, if things aren't just right and if our, our kids aren't just perfect or our jobs isn't providing just enough, then, then something must be wrong. But saying, listen, all that can exist when I live for an audience of one and I can still find joy. I can still live in God's protection and provision. Um, I, I do want to go to a, a couple of places before we, before we end this message. Um, verse 14 says this, remind them of things and charge them before God not to fight about words. If I can say this, especially to dads this morning, I am super guilty about wanting to do one of a few things. Number one, I love getting the last word. Don't you take that from me, right? You like getting the last word? You like feeling like you said the final thing that trumped it all? I love that. That's pride. Okay, that's pride. I want to, when I say something to the boys, and, and they do something different, I want to go back to my original statement. What did I tell you to do? Oh, that, that, that is pride as well. There's so many times that I want to argue over words. That's an empty argument. When we really argue about empty things and about just the words we say, that is aimed at a victory over, a victory for me over victory of truth. In other words, if there's a communication breakdown, I need to have a gospel focus with my kids at home, with others that are around me to go, okay, what do we need to understand? Like, what is the greater truth that Jesus is trying to show us compared to just my need to feel right? You, do you feel that need sometimes? You just, like, you like and you enjoy being right? Really? Nobody? 
man, th- Claudia, thank you. Just every, every gift buying, all that, thank you. We're just, at least we're communicating this morning. Okay. Now, this is ultimately, this verse is a great way to avoid dad guilt. This is a great way to avoid friend guilt. This is a great way to avoid mom guilt. Verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. What is the, what is the key? What is the key to saying, let me limit the amount of things that I can feel guilty over about being a friend, parent, coworker, whatever? In all those relationships, if we're able to correctly take the truth of God's word and pour it into someone's life, that will shrink the amount of relational guilt that we'll carry over that person. Let's we'll try it. I mean, if, if think about it. You, you may beat yourself over, I'm not, I'm not around enough, or I'm doing this, or I'm too busy, I've worked too, like all this stuff. But, but if, you, if you could look at that person and go, you know what? God, you've given me opportunities, and I, I've tried my best to pour God's word into their life. That just starts to peel back all those layers of guilt. Because you can look and you can just say, hey, it's not just what I've done with you, but it's what I've been able to give you that I know is just perfect and holy and unchangeable. It's the best thing that you could ever hold on to. And, and, and I trust that the Lord is doing something through that in your life. And we can trust Him for the things that we will be guilty that we falter over. Again, Paul comes back after this. He addresses just the, intim- the empty um, arguments that happen in our life. I think that's, it's not just a reoccurring theme. It's, 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 a, it's a stressing of what's really true and important. Um, if, if, you, if you ever have looked at yourself, and so I, I want to kind of end this way. If you ever kind of look in the mirror and you go, you know what, as a dad, I, I just don't measure up. Look at the condition of what's going on at home, relationally with your wife, with the kids, and you go, you know what, I, I'm, I'm just, I've failed. If you just as a human, as a Christian, have looked at life and said, okay, I, I, I have just come up short, I, I haven't been what I need to be, and, and you, just, you just carry that or you are carrying that. This next short passage is really going to give you what sounds like almost too easy of a fix. But if it's the truth of God's word, true. It says, now in a large house there are not gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, He will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So what do we do? What if we do if we haven't been what we call on track? What if we haven't been Jesus in our home the way that we should have been? What if we haven't represented Christ at work? What if we've had conversations and we've done things that we just can't erase? We just can't change everything. Can't make everything right. What do we do? charge for this week is simple. Clean one thing. Clean one thing. Now, I have never been what some would call a champion at doing dishes and laundry. In fact, I'm more of a champion at figuring out how to avoid them. I can exist with piles of dirty clothes around me and pretend that it does not bother me. I can wash one bowl and one spoon to eat cereal. In younger days of my life, when I had less standards, I would even take a bowl and a cereal, a bowl and a spoon that just looked 
clean enough. Right? Because why? It's, it's always work to wash. It's always work to clean. And if you do dishes, you know. You, you can't just rinse it off and put it back up in the, in the cabinets and, and everybody be healthy. You know if there's stains on clothes, you can't just, you know, spray them down and hang, up on, hang them up on the line outside and everything just fades away. You've got you to dip down into the water and, and, and you've got to go through the work and sometimes you've got to go back to it and, and, and do it again, put more effort, put more scrub, more elbow grease behind it. You know, in Ephesians it talks about our lives this way. It says that we're supposed to be, um, we're supposed to be washed by the water of the word. That's how we need to clean one thing this week. Go to God's truth and receive his understanding and make a specific adjustment in our thinking and our actions that will clean something. And you know what that cleaning results in? Being usable by God. Being usable. I mean, you think about that. What greater compliment as a Christian, could we carry than God looking at our life and going, I can use you. In fact, I will this week. Man, if, if, if I could wake up this morning, if I woke up this morning just going, God, God is going to use me. I, I feel like there's areas that, that he's shown me and I've, I've done some things and I believe I can expect him to do something in those areas of my life and, and, and Lord, I'm ready to be used by you. What kind of confidence does that start our day with? You know, this, this passage is really not, it's really not concepts that are just too hard for us to understand. It's really, it's really quite simple. You know what that reminds me of many times out of God's Word? That it's not God that complicates things, it's me. So many times me. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Wherever you are in a season of life, especially dads, for, for us this morning, really want to encourage you to see these three individuals that Paul writes to Timothy. Writes a message that there is no end to. It just is supposed to continue and just pour into people's lives over and over and over again. All the way into ours. We can't let our lives be entangled by things that really don't matter. We cannot cut corners and still expect to really be, be honoring God. We, we can't take too many vacations. We have to, we have to, we have to work. I know that's not literal vacations. That's, we, we can't take breaks in life and, 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 and trust that we're going to feel connected to the results, especially results that are in the lives of people that we're in relationships with. Jesus must be Lord. We must be faithful. And we must continue. How does that begin? By washing one thing this week. If you don't know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we pray that you're ready to start that today. His invitation into a relationship is, is without cost. As far as any of your finances and, 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 and your time, it's, it's entering into that relationship. It was all about our will and our heart. To believe in Jesus and confess Him as Lord in prayer to Him and ask to be saved. You can do that from where you are, and, and, and we may never know, but, but we want to know. As a church family, we want to live this life for Jesus with you 
and beside you. So whether you fill out a card today and check a box, whether you come up during this last song and you want to talk and pray over this, or whether we talk after this service, we want to celebrate those decisions together. Because there's instruction that comes after that that we want to share with you about what God calls us to. Number one today, I, I pray that this message hasn't just given you kind of a model in your mind, but it's also shown you how, how we are called to, to not live under the guilt of our emotions. But we're called towards the simple instructions to let us move on and live for the Lord faithfully. And I want to tell you this, in case somebody else has told you this lately, you can do it. You can absolutely live this life for Jesus. Live this life with Jesus. Father God, we pray, Lord, that we have been found faithful by you this morning in our hearts ready for worship, in our hearts focused and our minds aimed on you and what we've seen and experienced out of the truth of your word. So Lord, as we come to this moment, imprint this upon our hearts and call us and challenge us and show us the time in our schedules to meditate on this. To not just take this as one sermon, but Lord, to find understanding in you. See this outline of scripture and God get the understanding of how you want it to go into certain specific deep areas of our life. I pray as we pray together and as we worship together that we'll respond faithfully to you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you will stand back up with me. We'll be leaving this service in just a moment. But this is the time we want to give you to worship and pray. If you would like to pray with someone, thank you so much for being here.